0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. Oh my God, they're only doing
1: sex in the city again.
2: Happy 2022 Guy Montgomery, Um, as is tradition we're recording in different locations and we've just spent the past 20 minutes um, kicking over beer cans, wading our grubby feet through the river of technology working against us and right now we've got a stratospheric delay due to the internet connections we're rocking at the moment but the point is it's a new year and the fellas are still together.
1: Yeah, it's a new year and we are beleaguered by the same technical and geographical issues that we took into the end of twenty twenty one. And we are still keeping company with three of the coolest cats New York City has to offer. They go by the names of Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte. And uh well, these gals, they were once gals, but um in the words of Adam Sandler, well, <laughs> These girls are now grown-ups, too. Uh, These are women, Tim, and they're they're facing the problems that women face.
2: Yeah, problems like uh, a heretofore undiagnosed congenital hip issue that Carrie is suffering (laughs) through. Issues (laughs) like um, hot uh, back surgeons oh, no, wait, the back surgeon wasn't that hot. He was just a guy, the um, hot. hot therapist, it's hot physical therapist
1: therapists, was. yeah. Um, what and,
2: other the problems we've we got in this episode, Guy?
1: Uh, well, before we actually get into the, the particulars of the problems, I'd, I'd love to do a vibe check. So this is episode five of And Just Like That. Uh, it's called Tragically Hip. And what they're doing there is they're just having a bit of fun uh, because, as Tim mentioned, Carrie, it turns out, for, for as long as we've known her, this has gone under the radar, but she suffers from a a congenital uh, hip issue that she's had since birth that no one has, has mentioned. It's not it's not not as far as I've seen caused her grief before. But all of a sudden, here she is in her fifties, and uh, she, the woman can barely move.
2: She's fumbling. She's stumbling. She's using an umbrella as a cane, which her uh, new bestie. Which is a the real estate agent from the last episode performs here is simply Seema, thank you, is simply unacceptable. And so Seema tees up an appointment with her uh, is it a family member?
1: Yeah, it's her cousin or something. Um and I really liked the cousin. His name was Vikash and uh I found he had a very soothing voice. His voice made me feel both safe and interested in what he had to say. Did you have anything you know, did did you have any read on this?
2: I, I loved him as well. I thought he was charismatic, and I loved what he was about. And that's why it was very important to have him in the episode for 40 seconds and then take him away and never have him back. I because they we're only allowed to spend time with the dire people.
1: Uh, yeah, it's crazy, actually. Because uh, I, I thought the same thing. I was quite glad to see so much of Seema early in the episode. They're looking around Carrie's old apartment, and I thought this is going to further their friendship. But instead, it was just an opportunity for... um. Carrie to introduce this standing hip problem that she's not known about. And I was fascinated because I was like watching C I was like, this chick kind of fucking rules. And like hyper competent, really good fun. She's got a great sense of humor. And uh, what should Carrie try? And, you know, they spent an entire episode making sure that all of the women had one friend of color. And then what did they do with the episode after that? But abandoned literally all of them. They they introduce Seema for like two minutes and then Carrie's like you're really really switched on you know what you'd be great at being my assistant can't believe yeah. she tried to Saint Louis Seema that was a dog move
2: I that's exactly what she tried to do I must confess I was talking about the um the cousin the author I didn't I didn't I don't know about Seema she's a bit too pushy for me um. But I don't really care. It was very hard to be invested in this episode. I don't know if it was the surroundings or the episode itself. But I watched with a room full of people, mate.
1: I've got to tell you. oh, There's your mistake. You cannot let other people puncture the world that we are building ourselves. Because I didn't find it hard to invest myself in this episode at all. I felt like I, and this could be Stockholm Syndrome. Because I do love those Swedes. But I felt like four weeks of hard work were finally paying off. As I watched these women, admittedly, some of the problems were, were entirely constructed for the sake of story. Like Carrie's hip problem was an insane thing to, to decision to move things along. But otherwise, I had like uh, such a good time watching this episode because I felt like finally we were watching stuff that was happening to these characters that's interesting, not just to them, but to anyone around them, to us as an audience. I felt like we were, de- we were staring down some real problems. And they dealt with some of it clumsily, admittedly, but I thought Miranda's storyline was hot
2: shit. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Miranda's got some actual shit going on, which we've mentioned in previous episodes. I mean, before um, we give the rundown of everything that happened in the YEP, uh, I'll, I'll give you my viewing environment. So when I say a room full of people, was it, I, I, you know, full as a. As a um, pretty flowery term uh and probably not completely accurate for the conditions of which i consumed this episode but i was watching with my dear wife uh who put our baby remy to bed uh and then joined us a couple of minutes in so she missed some of the hijinks at the start with booking the orthopedist which was a lot of fun Um, but i did manage to watch with my good friends seamus and marie and I've got a quote from Seamus. Uh, as soon as the episode ended, he said, everything I just saw in that episode was the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Marie, Marie had a lot to say about it as well. His gorgeous French girlfriend who um, has been quite devastated by the series because she used to watch uh, the TV show with her mum. And uh, she has watched the movies. She's watched everything. Every Sex in the City um, bit of franchise she's consumed. And uh, she's quite horrified by what's happened to the show. She said, Where is the sarcasm? Where is the humor? And I said, Mate, Smith is not in this one. And she said, I know. I know. I.
1: Oh, man. I mean, look, fair enough. I, I daren't, I could have put this up on a screen and watched it with uh, family. But I just, I, I. First of all, they wouldn't tolerate that, and second of all, I wouldn't tolerate them watching it because I I wanted to go. um, I wanted to go deep, and I I I really feel like I did. It's interesting that that was Marie's note, and it's you know obviously we come from a different perspective in that um, she treats the the HBO show as canon, and Mm. we don't. Um, And of course, she's from France, and I'm from New Zealand, and yeah, there's a a myriad of other things that we do differently. Um, She's also
2: a woman. And currently yeah, yeah. dating Seamus, which you haven't done for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm neither of those things. I'm not dating Seamus, nor am I a woman. But I, I felt like when I was watching this, I felt like, at least just gauging by my own internal level of investment, that um I was breaking new ground in my relationship to the show. Like I was uh, I was interested in the Miranda storyline, which we can touch on now, which is that her alcoholism that has been not so subtly alluded to throughout the first four episodes has sort of come to a head. Uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte passive aggressively uh, orders Miranda a book about quitting drinking on Amazon and has it directed to her house. And um, I think that that is actually an, an example of what I sort of found interesting or at least uh, valuable about this episode is that some of the decisions characters made uh, existed in uh, – a grey area of either friendship or morality where I was like, well, who's, you know, like, I felt somewhat challenged to think about whose side I was on in different situations. Um, and that's not something I've experienced really with like, otherwise, I feel like it's very binary. I'm like, these people all suck, essentially. And now they're introducing different colours and shades of how much everyone sucks.
2: This is phenomenal uh, progress, guy. Before you were conflicted about who to root for because everyone sucked, and now you're conflicted because everyone's got a point. That's like that's real progress from our boy Mattress Pikelet. Did he write this one? Well, right? Yeah, no, he didn't. Uh, I just oh. feel like, um,
1: yeah, there were, just, there were just a few, there were a few moments that were well, highlights to me. So we'll we'll do the three main. I've also got problems with it, of course, but the three main storylines are Carrie has uh, this hip issue, she gets surgery, and then Charlotte, in her own unique way, draws up a very intense coddling rota of uh, care to be scheduled by Anthony, who has replaced Stanford, and they sort of, like, don't even pussyfoot around it in the show. Stanford's gone, and they're like, yeah, Anthony's the new Stanford. Uh, Miranda and Charlotte, they're all going to be taking turns looking after Carrie, so that's what's happening for Carrie in the episode. Charlotte is shocked to discover through a Zoom with some of the other parents, as she's an active member of uh, you know, the parents, parenting community, her liberal private school that she's sending her, her children to, uh, that Rose, who we saw a little bit of in previous episodes, has gone about actioning a name change. Rose is now they, them, and would like to be referred to as Rock, something that she ran directly through the school and did not bring up with her fucking intense and insane parents because they probably Runkle's wouldn't take good, it so right? well. Do you know what? I even wrote down, I wrote Runkle, when, when we are introduced to uh, Rock now and Runkle in the episode, I, I wrote down, Runkle is a much better parent than Charlotte in that he actually engages with the children as they are mm-hmm. instead of continually trying to mold them into his vision of who he wants them to be. But then some of the, you know, some of that old school sort of, uh, I don't even know what Runkle does for a job. I reckon he, ho- he pedals... He peddles cocaine.
2: <laughs> okay, I think it is, finance, real estate. Yeah,
1: sounds similar. Uh, but you can see some of his sort of more traditional um, instincts coursing through him as he also struggled to get his head around the uh, the name change from Rock. But that's what they're dealing with, and also like Charlotte, I guess we got to see some sort of character development where initially she she didn't enjoy that at all, and then by the end of the episode. Charlotte was sort of getting her head around the idea of something called acceptance, which is new ground for this woman. Uh, And then Miranda, who had the most to do, and I thought this was a powerhouse by Cynthia Nixon. I might be wrong. I might be a fucking maniac. But her alcoholism comes to a head. The root cause of it comes to a head, which is a lifelong malaise of unhappiness because she has been suppressing her sexuality. And she discovers that through a liaison with the world's worst comedian, and podcast host, T- Shay, uh, they have a tryst in Carrie's kitchen while Miranda's drawn up on the road to be looking after Carrie. Carrie is asleep on half of some sort of opioid, and uh, Shay comes around to drop a gift off to Carrie. It's a bottle of tequila, and Miranda, being the boo sound that she is, intercepts the bottle of tequila, intercepts Shay, and they get absolutely fucking rat-assed in the kitchen, and then just go hog wild on one another. There's a very, it's sort of quite raunchy. Shay uh, embraces Miranda from the back and has her hand down her pants and Carrie sort of, they're not, you know, they're not making a secret of it. They're being quite loud, probably fueled by the tequila and Carrie wakes up and sees this and is left to piss into a Snapple bottle on the corner of her bed like a dog because her friend's not there to help. And uh, everything sort of comes crashing into each other and in that moment, where uh, Shay has to leave to go into a, a presumably bomb, die a dire, terrible death at a gig in New Jersey, uh, Miranda and Carrie are left talking to each other, and it feels like they finally penetrate like the thin veneer of Carrie's husband died however long ago, and Miranda gets a turn to talk about her life, and I just felt like um, I felt like I was the, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was alongside these characters on some. Uh, you know, on, the, on their emotional journey. And, you know, Miranda was discovering about herself. I mean, I, Honor, I thought... The
2: prosecution has put forward such a strong case that I would like to change my client's plea to guilty. Because, Guy, <laughs> you're right. You're right, man. I mean, we've got to take as right that this show sucks. But this episode, in terms of being part of the show, pretty fucking good as an episode of this show.
1: Yeah, it was like, it was just, it was delightfully messy. These weren't manufactured millionaire problems. These were like people whose, you know, the small decisions they've made in their life have accumulated over time until they find themselves in a situation where they feel cornered. And we were watching people try and break through those barriers and work through it. And it was, um, it's, I mean, that's satisfying. That's what you want to see. At the same time, I tell you what, they need to stop doing. Dragging Samantha fucking Jones's name through the mud.
2: Jeez Louise. If I had a dollar for every time I loudly protested in front of a room full of people who are sort of watching in a different way to me, that they keep dragging Samantha into this show. They they do it several times in this episode, not least of which is a lengthy text conversation between Carrie Bradshaw and Samantha Jones, uh, which... Somewhat delightfully ends with Carrie. So here's what happens: Carrie gets on the oxys because she's you know in pain post surgery to fix this hip up. I don't. It seems like there's an easier way to get into this as well because like the hip thing is introduced and is solved within this episode. I don't think that's going to represent in the series. And I guess it was solely there so she could get on oxys to create a situation for. Miranda, and part of my yeah. vulgarity, but I wanted to get this phrase out, gets finger-fucked fuck, finger in the kitchen while Carrie Bradshaw pisses the bed, <laughs> uh, which was just like a powerful combination of events to be happening simultaneously. Um, but the, what was the other thing that happened? Uh, oh yeah, so she goes on the podcast, well, which she does via Zoom at her house, and is oversharing because she's high on oxys. Thanks a lot, and it just Yeah.
1: As a as a quick insert, I'd like to say I thought that was great acting by SJP. I thought she did a good job of acting high, and that's bef- that was when she was getting out of the hot fellas delivery vehicle with Prince Boner. Yeah, uh, and moreover, she was actually one of the few instances of someone being better as a podcast guest while high, because all of that you know all of that <laughs> reserved stuff that we'd experienced from her in the first episode, she checked at the door and she overshared a story in which Samantha Jones. Uh, removed a diaphragm from her vagina because it was embedded so deeply. And it was actually like, so, you know, she was she killing. Everyone was laughing. She,
2: everyone loved it. She accidentally mentioned Samantha by first and last name, which was a fact that, because Miranda's at her house looking after her for every minute of the day. Um, and as my wife, who's a GP, pointed out, um, whose dad has had, I think, two replacement hips at this point, she said, mate, she's had a hip. If she's had hip surgery on one hip, she'd be all right. <laughs> She could look after herself (laughs) on one hip. But anyway, it's by the by. Um, So Miranda hears uh, Carrie's record session happening in real time and and says to Carrie afterwards, are you aware that you named Samantha by first and last name while recounting that story? So then that prompts Carrie to get in the, the text conversation later. And I mean, I guess at least they've made Samantha Jones magnanimously um, cool with the fact that she shouted out in the story. She's like, fine with it. She said, I'm glad that your vagina got some airtime. Um, and then Carrie pushes it a little too far and says, I miss you. And then we get the three dots indicating that Samantha's writing a reply and then takes it back and a oh, reply is given. It's a Devastating feeling.
1: Stuff. It's, it's a feeling we all know. Isn't it? Watching that watching that little ellipsis do the fucking worm while you wait patiently for your friend who's moved to London because you're such an intolerable piece of shit? Message back. And then. Radio silence. I just thought it was a great anecdote. We saw Carrie breaking through as a podcast host. And then you don't like all of the anxiety around Samantha Jones is just reintroducing her character to the show and it's adding nothing. It's just reminding people of what's missing. It's a huge and frustrating mistake, and it's not letting one of the great characters die the honorable death she deserves, which is by continuing her life with radio silence in London. While,
2: um, while we're discussing people sort of dying and exiting, I've got to say, I, I know we covered this a little bit in the last episode, but I've, just, I've had a big chat to Murray about this, who, as I mentioned, is a big fan of the whole show. The fucking disrespect that the show treated Willie, uh Garson with when he died, um, yeah. and so they just haphazardly wrote a letter from him saying that he was off to Europe to manage a TikTok star. Japan, Fuck Japan, please. Out. Oh Japan, I beg your pardon. It is like it's just so rude to both a real what? guy who was a a real like big part of this show, a real actor, um, and a character that people loved as well. It's some fucking shit, man. Oh, I honestly
1: I couldn't agree more. And this is what was so like. This is what stands some the thing in such stark contrast. Is like they just wave off. Stanford, you know, and then like replace him with Anthony without even mentioning Stanford in this episode. They're like, here's the guy who he was divorcing, who is now all everyone just agrees. You know, I, I guess in this world, you can swap a gay for a gay, and yeah, no one's meant to notice. You're not meant to bat an eye, but so help me God if the pizzazz, if the anchor of the show flies to London. Her name will be mentioned exhaustingly every single episode. And then she will even be reintroduced to the show against her will. Um, It's actually interesting to think about all this stuff, though, because it is maybe the first time where Carrie's story is essentially all of the things that happened to Carrie in this episode are in service of the story progressing around her. Like, as you said, Carrie's hip surgery was just a vehicle, for all of this stuff to happen to Miranda or, you know, for all this stuff to happen around her while she's unconscious. Like it is, um, which might be part of why I found the show enjoyable. is like Carrie's, the only problem Carrie was engaging with really in this episode was she had hip surgery and I guess, you know, like because that was the smallest problem and it got the least airtime the rest of the episode kind of made sense as it assembled itself around it. Like, yeah, just I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here.
2: Yeah, I'm so sick of this fucking show, man. I've got to tell you. I t- Do you want to know what I'm doing right now? What are you doing? And this is highly, highly unorthodox for this podcast. I'm just straight up Googling what other people think of this show now. <laughs> Holy I want to know like, how this episode was reviewed. So here I am on the AV Club, famously a, um, a website that comments section slagged off our perfect pilot uh, produced by YouTube. Um, last week we talked about how there is always danger in bringing back a beloved property like Sex in the City, a chance that a 20 year later production could tarnish the original. But I've been thinking about this a lot since then, and let's face it, sex in the city was already tarnished, and not just because of my offsided sex in the city, too. There are a variety of current circumstances that poke holes in the opulent Manhattan wonderland of, and just like that. Most disturbingly, the fact that Chris Noth has been accused of sexual assault by several women. Uh, Willie Garson dying of pancreatic cancer. This is a pretty dark guy, and I regret getting into and of course Kim Cattrall has been extremely vocal about the fact that she did not want to return to the sex in the city universe it's reported that the plot of and just like that actually draws a lot from the script of the third movie which got tossed when Cattrall refused to get on board this this we know we've discussed this guy this sucks because a lot of the magic of the series first go-around was due to the chemistry of all four women without Samantha a lot of that spiciness is gone Charlotte seems even more po- pollyanna while Miranda just gets sadder. So this, this goes on. This seems pretty damning. I'm going to skim the rest. Honestly, I have so many issues with this episode. I thought about submitting this review entirely in question form. Who just stops by a hospital room without calling first? Who invites a person up to the room without checking with the actual patient? After that <laughs> fiasco, who in their right mind would stop by unannounced again to the same person's apartment? Who would sit down at their friend's toilet without shutting the door, just from a pure logic standpoint, moment after moment, very little about this made any sense. Um, okay, this is a pretty good articulation of a C grade rating of this episode, and I want to just give a shout out to the writer uh, Gwen um Inet, I think is how you pronounce that I'm um, Gwen.
1: I've pissed with the door open at friends' houses. I'm sorry. It's something I've done. Especially when I thought the friend was unconscious. Well, not especially, but I'd probably be slightly more minus. Also, she was on the, she was absolutely steamed. She just had an explosive, you know, orgasm. I mean, you know, I would like to have that. um, I would like to have that. What what is it? When you cast aspersions? I'd like to have that aspersion cast aside. Strong from the record? Yeah, I'd like I'd like Gwen to fucking delete that sentence. And as far as Poppins are concerned, I agree. A poppin via a hospital room is highly irregular. And Miranda's own horniness gets in the way of her good judgment as a friend. Where she's like, "Oh, Shay, the uh, person I want to have sex with, yeah, come on up. Don't worry about my friend who just woke up from a coma and uh, is having trouble navigating urinating for the first time. You and me are gonna fuck." Uh the popping at someone's apartment, look, I, I I, don't know. It's all about personal boundaries and vibe, but I'm a big popping guy. I love to be popped in on. And actually, it does matter, doesn't it? The interpersonal dynamic does matter. What do you reckon, Tim? How would you feel if I just shut up at your house?
2: I'd hate it, bro. That's terrifying. I don't like it when people phone me without messaging first. Like if I'm not anticipating a phone call, ah, someone's turning up at my house. Are you kidding me? No Tim... way. No way, Jose.
1: If someone... If someone uh, phones you, you don't have to answer the phone. You just you just leave the phone.
2: Nah, man, I do. I do though. The phone's ringing. Got to pick up the phone. I also nah. would like to add that Carrie Bradshaw wears Birkenstocks in this show, and I don't know how specific they need to get, but that feels like a real shot across the bow directly at you, my friend Guy Montgomery.
1: I, I, yeah, she she wears Birkenstocks, and it's it's meant to represent her at a low point, like. The whole angle that they take with uh, Carrie's hip surgery is she can't wear heels anymore. And there's a lot of what Marie correctly identified where traditionally jokes would go. Uh, there's a lot of sort of toothless barbs exchanged about Carrie in flats. And at the hospital, she wears Birkin socks with stocks, which anyone with half a brain knows is one of the most comfortable ways to ensure that your feet are getting ergonomic support while your ankles aren't getting nibbled by sandflies. Carrie says that um, she looks like an art teacher from Vermont. And I'd like to say, Carrie, why don't you take it fucking easy on the art teachers in Vermont? Not everyone gets to marry an illiterate financier and live the gilded life of a millionaire on the 34th floor of some Manhattan apartment, okay? Art teachers in Vermont are working as hard as anyone. If anything, they're probably working harder. I don't know. What are kids painting in Vermont? Presumably mountains? It's going to be pretty fucking tiring. You need to encourage some of those kids to think outside of the box. Why not paint the ocean or, I don't know, something flat? Just (laughs) shut the fuck up, Carrie Bradshaw. It's cruel, actually. It's cruel that Samantha Jones said, or Kim Cattrall, rather, said she didn't want to be a part of this show or movie because she didn't want to be a vehicle to Carrie Bradshaw's grief. And then, like, the one episode where Carrie Bradshaw isn't grieving – when the entire show could finally move past that, they still have to drag her back in.
2: That's the thing I take exception to. It would be very easy for this episode to just not have featured Samantha whatsoever. It's like, it's a messed up thing to do. It's 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 like you see companies that kind of buy the rights to a character and then the creator hates what they're doing. And then they're just like, I don't give a shit. We own this property now. It's just so much of that character is wrapped up in Kim Cattrall's performance, and um, mate, I don't know what I was expecting from the creators of Sex in the City, but it was just it was it was something different, something slightly more respectable, okay. and uh, well, also Runkle's job was divorce well- lawyer.
1: he met Charlotte. Although, as, as always, we, we cannot treat that as canon. Now, I'll just, you know, at the risk of um, trying to instill too much positivity in this episode, I'm just going to run through some miscellanea I observed as I watched this because there are a few other things I enjoyed. Um, I had an actual laugh line here when they're all out and uh, Charlotte's talking about her care rotor for Carrie after her hip surgery. It's Charlotte, Miranda, Anthony, and Carrie. And uh, Anthony's talking about how he. Doesn't want to help Carrie take a piss, and Carrie says, "I would rather die than show you my pee." I thought that was funny. You I think it's funny there? to call a pussy a pee. I
0: Wait, laughed.
2: what? Yeah, I no, think, no, no, I think, no, 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 no! Hold on, mate. She wasn't referring to her vagina. She was talking about urine. No,
1: no. She's she's abbreviating. She's she's abbreviating pussy. Surely,
2: dude. They were literally talking about her urinating. She was just talking about. P P E E. No, your, well, laugh, who, your laugh line is uh, you mishearing something <laughs> or misunderstanding a line. I I refuse to believe that. Why would he be afraid, why would anyone
1: be afraid of seeing so of someone seeing their urine or of another person seeing their it's urine? Carrie
2: Bradshaw, she's wound up tighter than a, a spring, ready to go. She's, uh, she's no good, man. I'm telling you, she's well, screwy in the head.
1: Tim, agree to disagree. In my world, anytime they say pee in this show, it now means pussy. Fact.
2: I think it's very funny that that was your, you were like, I actually had a genuine laugh at this one. You just fucking misunderstood <laughs> And That is something that I created
1: in my head. Uh, We need to talk a little about Brady's girlfriend. Brady didn't get a feature in this episode, but his girlfriend's getting a lot of airtime, and she Mm -hmm. stops by while Miranda's unpacking, is absolutely steamed and unboxing a bunch of stuff from Amazon. By the way, shout out to Jeff Bezos. It's your number one fuck boy. Get that money. Stack that paper, brother. Uh, Brady's girlfriend is definitely into some weird voodoo anti-vax shit. Because she doesn't order things from the internet because she doesn't want people tracking her information? I'm sorry, Brady's girlfriend. Not a solitary person gives a fuck about your personal information.
2: I respect the absolute hell out of this. But I was confused because I might have missed like a line of dialogue or something. But didn't she order lube to their house?
1: She's got no issue with other people ordering stuff through Amazon.
2: No, but she I, ordered it was her lube. It was lube for her that she got delivered to Brady's house.
1: Wouldn't Brady order the lube to his
2: own house? Oh, maybe Brady ordered the lube to his own house. That does make she's, sense. She's like
1: she she's out there saying I don't I don't order stuff online. Meanwhile, you know, the whole, she's picking the up the whole
2: point of that, by the way, dear listener, dear yeah. libertarian listener, and thanks for staying with us through this. I really you know Your ears, your two ears, make this whole journey worthwhile to me. Um, The whole reason why she's there at the start is uh, she grabs the lube, lube, which is a good laugh line, which we can now assume that Brady the fuck king um, has ordered online, courtesy of Jeff Bezos, your number one fuck boy. And Miranda is revealed to receive from Amazon, though not ordered herself, a book on alcoholism called How to Quit Like a Woman.
1: Yeah, it's about um, alcoholism and feminism because um, you know, God forbid you, you quit alcohol and then all of a sudden become a men's rights activist. There is now
2: that would be the option fuck, to make that be unfortunate. Imagine if that was the dichotomy. <laughs> it's like, hey, if you want to pour those bottles down the drain and try to sort your life out, totally here for it. But you need to accept that your place is in the kitchen. Like, these are your <laughs> these are your options to battle with. You can either stay absolutely rat-faced yeah. and try and engender some equality and uh, sense of freedom and independence for women the world over. Um, or, yeah. you know, disengage with your chemical dependence, yeah. but re-engage with your dependence on your man.
1: I don't know if anyone else has enjoyed the unreadable sexist vitriol that is every other quit-drinking book. But basically, if you get off the source, it's going to come at a cost. And that cost is all of your self-worth as a person who is not a man in this world. It's, um, it's unfortunate. But anyway, it turns out there's a book which uh, means you can have the best of both worlds. And guess what? Miranda, she don't want to know about it because she's having a fucking good time getting sourced and denying her sexuality. Thanks. Anyway, onwards and upwards, um, I really, really enjoyed the little detail where um, Friends exists in the Sex and the City universe. Carrie makes a joke about, what's well, a joquette, really? It's not a full joke. She's talking about like <laughs> a her scenario. It. She says, um, this is like in Friends, the one where the old woman gets a hip replacement. I just think it's so funny. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs>
2: I know, I know, because even the things that are, (laughs) yeah, first of all, you're totally right in your description of that being a joke yet. It's like got the rhythm, (laughs) it's got the cadence of being a joke, but without the sort of qualities of being funny that sort of qualify something (laughs) as being a joke. But um, they've also just taken weird decisions about what does and doesn't exist in this universe. Like the pandemic came up again for one mention in this, and it's sort of like, you guys should either... I mean, look, I'm going to go out there and say, you should just pretend it didn't happen, I reckon. Because you've mentioned it about four times in the series so far, and it's never of consequence. And it's just like, I don't know why you keep reminding us that this is based in the reality we share. If anything, I would rather relegate this to escapist fantasy so that your poorly drawn characters can be sort of cartoons in a universe where everyone is this dumb and myopic and self-absorbed instead of realizing that this is actually a poorly written TV show that's supposed to reflect real life.
1: It does. It draws the mind back to um, the pilot that we, we wrote that was the official pilot until it got leaked by our live table read and they had to bin it and write the whole series again. But, um, COVID didn't exist in the world of these characters because they're, they're too wealthy for disease to be fact. And they were all living, from memory, like, elevated oh, above right. New York City. We, because we the, the, the ground floor is just the
2: detritus of civilization. Yeah, That's right. Um, Down to on steroids.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and then, I mean, basically... I've sort of run through the other the other things I thought. I thought Charlotte I thought um Charlotte had a had some great moments of emotional depth. She showed both Charlotte and Kristen Davis in an actually showed depth and range uh, after the teacher meeting where they were discussing Rock's name change. Uh and Runkle was struggling to get his oiled up little divorce lawyering, cocaine dealing championship head around it. I thought she showed lovely touch, lovely finesse, where she said, look, you're a great dad, and was taking and like, I was just a little bit confused because I felt like Charlotte had an epiphany at Shay's version of a comedy gig uh, about gender. But obviously, you know, it's easy to hear information in the abstract, but to apply it to your real life is an entirely different challenge, and nah, that is something this show is very what clumsily this? attempting to do.
2: What about this guy? You mentioned as well that all of the lessons they'd learnt about this sort of people who aren't white and their relationship to them in the show has also been forgotten so i put it to you that this episode was written very independently of the person knowing about the previous episode It's so yeah, just a real lack of continuity of journey going it's like
1: on one here. of those story t- story writing games that you do when you're a child at school where you write the first paragraph or sentence and then you fold the piece of paper yeah, And you, you share maybe a conjunction or whatever But then you hand it over and the story continues And to be honest, if that's how they've written it I'm amazed at how many things are lining up <laughs> But you can definitely see this thing swaying in the wind And creaking at the seams uh, I really did enjoy, for the emotional gravitas Watching Miranda realise she's gay uh, Particularly through the very subtle medium of a cinematographer Filming people's hands A lot of hand stuff uh, just right as they were cusping on a hookup, and um yeah i mean look it's it's it was up and down for me, but I gotta say it is the most emotionally drawn in I've been in the series so far, and if only for Miranda's storyline and you know what will what will be le- like what will be left of Steve and Brady, you know the people in Miranda's circle, who are people that you and I, Tim, have always been drawn to, there will be consequences. And, you know, like... Oh, it's, that's
2: true. We're going to get to see some more Brady, guaranteed.
1: Like, remember, I mean, what was built around... Uh, was it Sex in the City Six in the City 1, the first movie, was built around Steve cheating on Miranda? And, you know, is it one outs? Or, like, you know, what's the, what's, what, is the, what is the response to this? What's the blowback? Miranda was very hard on Steve.
2: Yeah, I had forgotten all about that. What an incredible ability my brain has to block out medium I've consumed 52 times. That is oh, I, I, impressive.
1: I, I, no, no, I'd, I'd say that's, that's healthy and that's good. Anyhow, yeah. there's, there's like, I know that you had a hard watch and I respect that. And to be honest, in a different mood, at a different moment, I would have too. But I'm excited to Dude, get my talons in to next week's episode.
2: Not only was it a hard watch, um, you know... You can hear in my voice, I'm not a happy chap right now. I I prematurely stripped down to just my underwear to be in this room to record (laughs) in in a part of the house that has a bit of quiet. And despite that fact, I am sweating profusely. I am essentially naked in a room and just sweating my ass off talking to you on a podcast about the latest Sex in the City episode. I do not
1: know whether to applaud you for holding on to that information for the entirety of the episode or begrudge you for not letting us in to that sweaty little circle of hell you're currently living in. Uh, because, honestly, it makes sense. The whole thing makes sense. I hear what you're saying. Let's put a pin in this thing. Before we do, I need to know your favorite and least favorite characters as they currently stand in the end, just like that, Sex in the City universe. In fact, sorry, pause, sidebar, I fucking yelled at my computer screen when at the end of this episode, after Carrie falls in love or like is turned on by her physical therapist, who's this hot guy. And they're like, wow, okay, so we're going to watch Carrie get her hip back together. And then she's like, and just like that, it was three months later and I was wearing high heels again. What in the fuck sort of cheat code storytelling is that?
2: That is some bullshit. And they've shortchanged us on an interesting arc of watching a recently widowed woman in her 50s attempt, and I'm going to assume fail, to pick up a incredibly sexy yeah. early 30s physiotherapist.
1: Sexually harassing her doctor, which is, you know, with, handled with the deft touch that has been shown by Mattress Pikelet and his... Underlings would have been a fascinating journey to go on. Anyhow, really fuck that. Let me know top and tail. Who's sitting at the King of cool guy Mountain and who is uh, slopping around in the in the muck and the mire of no good? Um, I don't know crevasse. <laughs> fuck.
2: Nice. No, no, that's good. I'm going to give <laughs> uh, the Rat Queen the title of my favourite character from this episode. I don't think she's been bestowed with my favourite character before. Um, she rocks. She was only in it at the start. She was only talking to Miranda, but I love what she's up to. I love the vibe. Um, I love You like that she's not grabbing...
1: leaving a paper trail online?
2: Oh, I love that. I especially love that. Um, I love the fact that she's just randomly going downstairs to grab Lube and then going back upstairs <laughs> to hang out with Brady. Um, it's all fantastic stuff. Uh, my least favorite character, I mean, I'm running out of like, I would give it to any of the main characters if I hadn't named them already. I don't think I've named Charlotte yet, but it seems unfair to give it to her this episode because I thought she showed some genuine growth and attempt at raping her head around um, her child's gender journey that they're on. So I'm going to give my least favorite character to this episode. It's going to be fucking... Anthony. No, oh, I can't do oh, it. He doesn't deserve tough, that. Tough stuff. He's a pretty good ep. do it. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't think of it. So, good. Seema. Simi- uh, yeah, I'll stand by that. Oh. Didn't like her. Too pushy. Brutal.
1: I was into Seema. Uh, my numero uno is Vikash, uh, the, what was it, author? Orthodontist?
2: Orthopedist,
1: orthopedist. Well, whoever the the hip doctor or the back doctor who is uh, tells Carrie about her congenital hip defect. And my least favorite character. Uh, I actually thought that nearly everyone acquitted themselves well in this episode. Tempted wow. to give it to Shay is sort of riding the line right now because of mm-hmm. like very selfish, very reckless behavior from them. Uh, total disregard for. Anyone but themselves, which is uh, it's it's an interesting energy to introduce, and it does you know facilitate the story. But uh, I think my least favorite character was the chef at the cafe that uh, they all discussed the care rotor that Charlotte made for Carrie after her hip surgery. Um, it was just it was a shit show on that table. Uh, Charlotte had avocado and radish on toast that looked like you know he'd literally rolled out of bed and made it to sort of get himself i don't know out the front door there was a very very lackluster looking bowl of fries that everyone was sharing and otherwise it looked like egg and bread but these were thick chunky undercooked pieces of brioche toast and one poached egg sliding off the side it was a fucking disaster and um you know i don't and use
2: yelp it's also- i don't
1: use google review but you've got to assume these people are paying top dollar for a top dollar experience and it's just not good enough
2: well that's That's the thing, because it's uh, crucial to remember that these gals are not going to be dining out at uh, some sort of cut-price diner. They're exclusively eating at expensive, well-regarded places in town. So, Guy, I think that's a completely fair um, judgment to bestow upon a character who may or may not exist in the episode, but you have (laughs) to assume he does by following the logic that the food was prepared by someone.
1: And it is a dude, and he has bad personal hygiene. Anyhow... That's enough from us. What will happen is a week will pass, and then we'll finally be able to get our teeth into the fascinating journey that these women are on. Otherwise, Tim, I encourage you to put more clothes on. Take more clothes off. The no, power no, is the, yours. The, the
2: one thing I have to do is drink some water because I think <laughs> I have lost an incredible amount of hydration being in this environment for 40 minutes. So I've got to go and get some h2o down my gullet guy um i want to say that it's been a pleasure talking to you it genuinely hasn't been it's so excruciatingly hot in here um i don't like the motivation for talking to you which is talking about this episode of a shit show that i don't like um this feels like a terrible foot to get the year off on uh but you know i look forward to seeing you how about that
1: hey tim I honestly was looking forward to seeing you as well until you just went off on me. Why don't you go fuck yourself, buddy? Don't drink any water. Run a lap. Sweat it out. Get dehydrated. Pass out on a beach. Wake up sunburned. Figure it out. I'll see you in a week.